Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Brian's Toys. At Brian'sToys.com, you can find Star Wars toys and collectibles from 1977 to the present. Brian's Toys has it all, from vintage toys and action figures right up to the latest releases. And when checking out, be sure to say you were referred to Brian's Toys by Star Wars Action News. So go check out the world's largest selection of Star Wars toys at Brian'sToys.com. Listening to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and updates, helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other Star Wars Action News listeners, and much more, including information on how you can be part of the show. another episode of Star Wars Action News. I'm Marjorie. And you're not. Neither are you. No. I'm Arnie. Yep. Welcome to another episode of Star Wars Action News. Been kind of a quiet week this week on the Star Wars front. Well, it was a short week. No, it was seven days long. Short work week. True, true. But actually, I think because or in spite of the short week, I have spent a lot of time doing toy runs this week. (laughs) I have been all over the place. A friend of mine from California came to town. So what do I do? I take him on a toy run. Yeah, because that's just what he wanted to do. He seemed to enjoy it. Yeah. Somehow, it was his idea. I don't know about that. Well, why don't we talk about what I found in our weekly store report brought to you by Backstage Toys. And Backstage Toys has an item that I'm needing some of right now. I've been opening some figures and putting them on display in my cubicle and they don't stand so good. And I've been posting in the forums about ways to display the figures and basic stands and things. And then I realized Backstage Toys has a huge selection of figure stands. They've got them in black, white, clear, and they fit. Star Wars figures as well as if I happen to have any Marvel figures or some Indiana Jones figures or you some You have Indiana G- Jones figures? Or some G.I. Joe figures. Wait, whoa. You have Indiana Jones figures? They also fit the Playmate Star Trek figures. These are all things disturbing. I don't know which one is worse. You can get packs of 25 stands as well as individual and if you buy two or more sets of 25 stands, you get free shipping from Backstage Toys. So Thank you to Backstage Toys for sponsoring our store report. Now, I have been hitting the stores hard and heavy because I'm looking for Uggs. And tons of people are finding just huge amounts of them. But not me. No, the ones we're finding, as if you listen last week, they're pretty much beat up like they're coming in smaller boxes or somebody's trying to cram it into a space that doesn't belong. Well, I don't know what happened this week. I again found more Hawthorne and Darth Vader foil card figures. I don't know if they're like the low-hanging fruit, if they're shipping more of those than others, or if people just aren't as excited by some of the Wave 1 figures that aren't Boba Fett, but those seem to be pretty plentiful, although they do move. They were at my Toys R Us two days ago, not there today. Today I go and I found a MagnaGuard foil card, and I was thinking, oh, I can get this one. The card was in great condition, actually. Pick it up. The bubble was smushed. What? Yeah, the bubble. Huh. Then I found a Cody foil card, and I was really happy about that. Card was in good condition. Bubble was in good condition. Pick it up. Somebody had torn the bubble somewhat off the card or the glue was coming undone or something, but the bubble was separating. Man, you're not really having much luck with these. No. Now, the only two I'm still looking for, thanks to a forum member, Ranker Boy, who hooked me up with a lot of these foil cards. The only two he didn't have spares of were Boba Fett and Obi-Wan, so... These others, it was more a exploratory mission than actually intent to purchase. But the Boba Fett one, I think that's the one that's going to be the most hard because it's the year of Boba Fett. It is. and But I think every year is the year of Boba Fett, really. He's a fan favorite. But it's Empire's 30th anniversary. Where's as- the Ugnot love? <laughs> That's what should have been the symbol of celebration with Ugnaughts with a little lunchbox. I don't think Ugnaught love is legal in the States. Oh, it's only legal in some parts of Mexico? Yeah. 
God. And maybe Germany. I think Spain. Yeah. Speaking of Empire's 30th anniversary, last week we were talking about the coffee mug. Well, I found its companion, the lunchbox. I thought the lunchbox was really cool, and I am going to carry it as a purse, I think. Really? Yeah. It's $12.99. Okay, considering that most of my purses cost over $300, are you trying to talk me out of a $12.99 purse? No, no, I'm not. Okay. Now, thanks to our podcast enhancer, Barrett, I now know why they no longer call them lunchboxes. What are they called? They're called tin totes. I didn't know they weren't called lunchboxes anymore. They are not called lunchboxes. They're called tin totes. That's not very cool for a five-year-old on the playground to carry a tin tote. What you got? What you got in your tin tote, Billy? Apparently, metal lunchboxes have been banned from some schools. How come? Oh, I bet some kid hit and the other kid with a head. Yep, probably. Was it Barron's kid? Uh, no, but was I think... Was it Barron? I don't know if it was Barron, but I understand that his kid had to get a new lunchbox after his tin tote didn't pass muster. I had no idea that there were tin totes and banned from school. I was wondering why they didn't call them lunchboxes or lunch pails anymore and why they didn't come with thermoses. So now they're tin totes. They don't come with thermoses either? No. Of course not. It's no longer a lunchbox. Huh. If you need a lunchbox, Target had them on clearance now. The Clone Wars thermoses and lunch bags. Yeah, they have lunch bags now, I guess. The insulated Velcro type. Yeah. That always end up smelling like your ham salad sandwich. Even if you don't eat ham salad, they still end up smelling like that. And lunchroom milk, because lunchroom milk has a particular odor. Now, I almost didn't see the tin tote because it was behind a Force FX lightsaber. They put a new display out at Toys R Us. They've got some of the new Force FX lightsabers in. And I was all intrigued because I saw it displayed there. And I'm thinking, well, obviously they have the handle mounted, but these are removable blade now. So can I steal the blade? (laughs) Not that I would steal the blade. I'm more curious if I could steal the blade. And if next time I went there, there would be a blade. But I looked, they actually drilled screws into the blade of the display. I guess that's one way to keep people out of it. But you're right. People will take anything that's not nailed or screwed down. Yeah. So they did that. But if you need to get somebody a Christmas gift, a Force FX lightsaber is always a good one. They had the Darth Maul on display. The half of a Darth Maul that you could buy two of to make a whole Darth Maul. That's kind of fun. Christmas. I still can't decide if, given that I have the Master Replicas Darth Maul one, and I have the Master Replicas Darth Maul Signature Edition one, do I need Hasbro's Removable Blade Darth Maul one? No, no, no. I might. Over at Walmart, our Both and Spy reports, they have a new poster that I think I might need. I agree. This is a really neat poster. I know I've seen this somewhere before. Isn't this somebody's print from somewhere? It is. I think it was. But I know I've seen this before. I'm blanking because there's so much of this art out there. But yes, I think that this was like a Joe Caroni or something. Are you just pulling an artist's name out of your ass? I might be. I think you are. But the posters at Walmart are excessively cheap, both cheap in price and cheaply made. So if you (laughs) like this print, there's no reason not to buy it. Speaking of no reason not to buy, I mentioned last week that sometimes I get like an itch in my pockets when I'm doing a toy run and I don't find anything. And you have to buy something. So for our listeners, let's see if you recognize this sound. It's your brain rattling in your head. This is what I heard all day today while driving my car. I would turn left, turn right, turn left. As my magic beans, I'm sorry, my mighty beans. Magic beans. Rolled around in the car. Why did you buy those? I I equate them with the marbs. They don't really do anything and... There's a false sense of rareness in these. I'm happy to say they cost far less than the Marbs. Here I got four beans for $5. Marbs were $4 each. Oh, Marjorie has a knife. What are you doing? I'm going to open them. Okay. Basically, I want to see what all the fuss is about. I want to see why there's a thread in the forms to trade these blind packaged beans and... Marjorie, I know you're a sucker for cute things. Are you going to find these cute? And are you all of a sudden going to need to be a Mighty Bean completionist with the Clone Wars exclusives and the ones that come with the Darth Vader carry case? So what beans did I get? You have a Rancor. A ra- they made a Rancor bean? They did make a Rancor bean. Wow, that's obscure. And what's nice is if you are Star Wars deficient, they actually are labeled on the back. Or maybe that's because you can identify them because you can't really figure out what they are. But I knew what they were. Yeah, the Rancor is number 49, dude. You got, you got a Tatooine Luke. 
I know I got a 501st Trooper because that was the primary one. You did get a 501st Trooper, which I'm really glad you said that because I picked it up and I knew I had seen a Grievous. And I'm like, dude, I thought that was Grievous. (laughs) But you did get a Grievous as well. Now, here's the thing. I don't know what's... I want to break it open. Don't you? I think it's a lithium battery. There's something heavy in there. That's what gives it its counterweight. Duh. These are useless. They don't do anything. Whatever is in there appears to be orange and black and like tattooed like Darth Maul. Can I, I cut can't one really open? Tell. Yeah, I don't care. Cut one open. Which would you rather me cut open? Let me see them all and see which one I like the least. I guess I don't need to know what's in it. I think it's a marble and they all have different marbles. The Rancor's was orange and black, but Grievous's is Grievous colored and gray. Hmm. But these are perhaps the worst things I've ever purchased for Star Wars. I don't know what the point is, other than they're noisy. They are noisy, and there goes the Rancor. Oh! Not that he's breakable. I don't get what all the fuss is about with these. Perhaps if I was already a Mighty Beans collector, I'd want the Star Wars ones, because I'm also a Star Wars collector. But why would you collect Mighty Beans that aren't Star Wars? I don't get it. It says, play them, race them, collect them. How do you race them? Maybe you roll them? Well... Let me see the package that you so carelessly cut open. You told me to. Well, actually, you cut it open very neatly. Thank you. Yeah, so suck it. To collect... Tilt me. Play cool games. I'm not seeing cool games to play here. Yeah, I gotta say, I'm just not seeing the appeal of these, and I don't think I'm gonna buy them anymore. I'm so glad. Thank God. I'm so glad we have the Greedo and the Jar Jar, thanks to Darth Boba42 from the forums. But no, uh, this was a very bad impulse purchase that I wish I had my $5 back. Wow, that's neat. But perhaps one of our listeners can convince me otherwise. If there's something I'm missing here, if there's some really cool trick to these that all of a sudden I'm going to go, wow, I must have them all. Please tell me what it is, because honestly, I find them about as cool as an Easter egg wrap, because that's basically all it is, is a wrap around a somewhat painted bean, isn't it? Yeah. That's all the Rancor was. It was like a sticker almost. Through the magic of editing, I watched YouTube videos in this few seconds to our listeners and found out that all that's inside of them is basically a giant ball bearing. That's very disappointing and kind of blah. And perhaps why I thought they were different colors when in fact they're silver is they were reflecting the colors of the bean that I was looking at and not, in fact, painted balls. (laughs) All right. So again, if there's something I'm missing here, please let me know. It's kind of cool to have them in your favorite character, I guess, but that's a lot of buying to get your favorite character, especially if you're a character-specific collectible. I think that the R2 one might be cute. An R2 unit might go well with that shape. And in fact, when I saw this package, I'd initially picked it up because the one that was visible was the 501st Trooper, but I initially thought it might be R2-D2, and I know Marjorie loves R2. I do. I do love R2-D2. The other thing I saw just a ton of in stores is... Happy, happy Halloween, 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 happy, happy Halloween, silver shamrock. Yay, get to hear that again. It's time, kids. (laughs) Time for Star Wars costumes from Rubies to flood the stores. Yeah, there's a lot of them this year. The Spirit Store, they've got Spirit, yes they do. They've got a wall of Star Wars. How about you? Do they sell... Spirit Fingers. Yeah, just looking over the costumes, they've got a pre-Vizsla. That is new this year, of course, because he's a new character. So is the ARF Trooper. I've not seen him before. Yeah, I do not recall seeing the ARF Trooper. Now, these are just jumpsuits that tie in the back for your kids. Mm-hmm. The ARF Trooper looks like your kid just ran out and got it dirty. Are people dying to be an ARF Trooper? I don't think so. I Honestly, if I it wasn't for to... the toys, I wouldn't even know what an ARF Trooper I was. wants to be Captain Rex or Cad Bane, don't they? There is the Commander Fox outfit and the Captain Rex outfit. And Jango Fett. I was not aware that he was a big draw for little kids. And Boba Fett with an inflatable backpack. So I don't know. I think I'd personally prefer to have like one of the stuffed ones like we see at the cons. Mm-hmm. So kids could put their Halloween candy in the backpack yeah. instead of just inflating it like a pool toy. Now, because, it, you know, the the kids who pick on the kid in the Boba Fett outfit, they're just going to pop his backpack. In the creepiest costumes are the Anakin and Obi-Wan because they have those creepy-ass plastic masks that are in the animated style. I can't even look at the Obi-Wan one. Yeah, it's kind of 
wrong. It's wrong. It reminds me in some way of like, we've been watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre for now playing and it looks like a face taken off of a body and then put on yourself. It's got no life to it, but yet it still looks flesh-like and weird. Yeah, it's not right. The one that I find cool, really, and kind of like is the Grievous costume. The Grievous was kind of cute. I don't know why I thought that was really cute. I just think it was well made, you know? I don't necessarily think that that would be the character to be, but I thought out of all the outfits, that was the one whose craftsmanship on the jumpsuit impressed me the most because it's got the rib cage and you can Mm -hmm. see his little pus bucket of organs inside there. And it's got a mask that looks actually fairly well done. Previs was a good costume because you get to wear a cape and capes are cool. But I think everyone should dress their kids up as gonk droids. (laughs) That's one thing that bothered me. The only original trilogy characters I saw were Vader and Fett for the kids. And then for the adults, there were adult Jedi robes for 50 bucks. Yeah, you could sew it for that. Actually, a lot less. Yeah, but my time worth 50 bucks true but everything else is clone wars cad bane anakin obi-wan 501st technically i guess the 501st still is movie only because we haven't seen the phase two clones have we Mm-mm. so the 501st is revenge of the sith you know what's wrong with that anakin mask is it's too big for the size of costume it is and that's what's wrong with the obi-wan the head is large and it's creepy besides that but it's too big for the kid on the package and i think that's not helping its cause the only girl's outfit i saw Padme. I know. But girls can be clone troopers. Girls can be clone troopers. I'm saddened that girls can't be stormtroopers. And I'm wondering, is it? it's not because stormtroopers are bad guys, because you can be Grievous. And mm-hmm. Grievous is a bad guy. And Cad Bane's a bad guy. Why are there no kids Dooku outfits either? That would be hysterical. And it's such an easy thing. A brown jumpsuit, a cape, and a beard. <laughs> that would be really cute. Yeah. I think Count Dooku See, needs to be See, if we ever have outfit. a baby, we're going to have a little baby Count Dooku. I'm not naming my kid Dooku. If you no, think... no, no, we dress him up as Dooku. Oh, okay. Well, We're yeah, not going to have a baby named Dooku. We will just dress him up like Dooku and Ugnaughts. But there were a ton of these at the spirit store, including all the accessories you need, the lightsabers, the orange blasters, because you can't have realistic looking fake guns anymore. You know, in some ways, childhood is so much better than mine because I had to wear these stupid masks of like Superman that were attached literally with rubber bands and staples. And they have these cool plastic masks that are so much nicer. But on the other hand, my guns were black. And my I could, parents always made my costumes. And I could take tin totes to school with my lunch in them. I was a mean robot when I was five years old. My dad made me a robot costume. It was boxes and silver paint and duct tape, and I couldn't bend my arms or legs. Now, if you want to have a really cool costume, I'd say get one of the electronic helmets. The Captain Rex one I actually saw outside on a sidewalk sale at Kmart. Hmm. They had it, a couple of the blasters that look a little bit better than the ones you find at the spirit store and they shoot nerf darts so that makes them cooler and a lonely titanium all at kmart i also found new clone wars pez dispensers at target including the rare ultra rare chase backwards packaged c3po did you pick them up no oh it's an error the guy in taiwan put them in backwards it's not worth anything people (laughs) always send me these emails i just found this is it how much is it worth can i quit my job it's worth worth nothing it's worth nothing but i did take a couple pictures of it because i found it kind of amusing that they packaged c3po backwards basically you got the clone war style anakin obi-wan and an ahsoka and to end the store report i'm gonna end i'm gonna be the bigger man and just go marjorie you were right. Oh, what was I right about? I, I went to Walmart this week. And? And I found a job at the hut. <gasps> you did? So I guess you didn't have to ride with him on your lap halfway from Orlando. No, I didn't, did I? They only had one, but I guess one was all I needed. And so I could have gotten that one. So yeah. when you said a week or two ago that I would eventually see him in Springfield, uh-huh. job of the hut has made it to Springfield. Uh-huh. Took him a while to slither here, though. Yeah. Well, he made it. Now, our online news has an interesting find. If you listen to our Toy Fair show... Way back when, in February... We talked about these cool Star Wars pens that some people had actually seen. They're like lightsabers and they come in nice tins. Well... 
Blizz found them in the LTD commodities catalog. Now, if you've never seen this catalog, I had to really think. I'm like, what the hell is LTD? Limited. Yes. Well, the girls in my office always have this giant phone book size catalog every Christmas. And it's literally full of crap. It's where you can go buy your NASCAR kitchen set and get the matching NASCAR pots and pans with the NASCAR plates and NASCAR napkins and little cafe curtains. and Now, now, the NASCAR people may not understand our Star Wars any more than we understand their NASCAR. I understand, but I'm making a point. It's pretty much all NASCAR. NASCAR and football. And some other crap thrown in that I would never, ever purchase. Oh, they have NASCAR? It must be French. (laughs) Yeah. No one is going to get your Niles Crane reference. No one. But they have the Star Wars pens, and they're much cheaper than I expected. $12.95 per. You can get Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, or Yoda, or like me, all three. Yes. And you don't have to find a paper catalog, because that's so 1970s. It is, but they're like, oh, you can't buy this stuff online. I'm like, okay, you can buy anything online. LTDcommodities.com. So we'll have that link from our homepage on SWActionNews.com, so you can go and get these pens. They were really cool. They were cool. I'm going to get one of each to keep, and then I may get an Anakin to use, because blue seems to be the right one to use. Yoda, well, maybe Yoda. I think I'll go, I'll get an Anakin to use. They made a mace. We saw a mace. I'd like a mace to use. Yeah, that would be cool. I'd be big pimping with my pen. We'll just have to. It'll be the pen that says bad mother bleep on it. Bad Monday through Friday. Yeah, bad Monday through Friday. Bad monkey fighter. You do fight monkeys. Also online. (gasps) I want, I want, I want. Kubrick's Deluxe Series 2. It's deluxe, son. And you can build an Kubrick ATST. These are right now available at Brian's Toys as an entire set. And the figures you get, you get six figures plus the build an ATST. You get Luke Hoth, Han Hoth, Chewbacca with his little mechanic glasses. And I gotta say those are kind of cute. Hoth Leia, a snowtrooper, and R3PO, which is the red C3PO. Honestly, other than the Chewbacca and maybe the snowtrooper, I'm kind of eh on this wave, but unfortunately, we must have them all because that ATST is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. It is. Now, also at Brian's Toys, you can get the Chase figure. It makes me so mad this one's the Chase. You're building an ATST, but yet they make the ATST driver the Chase figure. <laughs> And that really sucks. You can also get the diorama of the added on Hoth to put your Kubricks with, all at Brian's Toys. And also at Brian's Toys, you can get that retail exclusive 12-inch Black Hole Stormtrooper. They have it available for pre-order, so you can get yours now. Are you getting yours now? Would you like me to get mine now? Because I must have a Black Hole Stormtrooper. I know. That's why I asked if you were getting it now. So that's what we found in stores and online. But let's see what you're finding in this week's voicemails. Hi, this is uh, Joe from Bel Air, Maryland. Uh, just calling in with this to report. First, I was perusing the Target clearance aisle when I found one Bespin guard from the Legacy collection for $1.74. I wish they would have had more. It'd be great for the UPCs I need for the Malway Boba Fett. I guess they're making room for the vintage lines. I did get my vintage Boba Fett, which was pretty cool. Later, we went to Toys R Us and saw some of Wave 2. They had an Obi-Wan and a foiled Magna Guard, but both boxes were pretty creased. The show's great. Thanks a lot. See ya. Thanks for that voicemail. I had talked to Scott from Tulsa this week, and he found $2 Star Wars figures at a Walmart, including the Bespin Guard, the Nikto, Pruneface, and Malakili, all for $2 each. And I was thinking it's good backfill for those people who either need to build up some more Nikto guards or Bespin guards, but I hadn't even thought about the using them to mail away for the Boba Fett. So that's a great idea. Yeah, it is a very good idea. It makes them really cheap. Ours, of course, has no clearance because our Walmart can't afford to have clearance and our Target's been cleared out for months. Mm -hmm. But if you guys need to get more pops for your Boba Fetts, check your clearance aisles. Hey guys, this is uh, Darren. I'm calling from uh, Clinton, Utah. Uh, Just want to let you guys know I've been a fan of your show for quite some time now and I truly enjoy it. And I really enjoyed the uh, last review you gave of the uh, Boba Fett uh, large figure, the gentle giant figure. Because I was pretty bummed that I wasn't able to snag one before they sold out. But after hearing your review, I'm not that upset about it. So I appreciate you guys giving that info on that. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to pass out uh, your guys' way and let everyone know. Um, 
some of the uh, clearance items that I've been able to run into at Walmart. Uh, I was bumming through there the other day with my son, and we ran across a, uh, a Walmart um, the comic pack uh, for three dollars. It was a Walmart exclusive with the IG97 and the ROM mock. Um, but for three bucks, we couldn't pass that up. Uh, he also picked up a Marvel comic pack too that was three bucks. So. We lucked out there on the, on those. Uh, I also had a buddy that picked up a, a Captain Rex helmet uh, for a mere ten bucks um, at one of the WalMarts around this area. So um, kind of some some great sales there on on uh, some of these uh, items. Um, he also found uh, I had a friend that found a uh, Darth Vader hilt uh, lightsaber hilt fishing pole. Um, he picked that up at a sports store. I couldn't remember where he said it was, but it, it's a really cool uh, detail on the little lightsaber hilt. Um, but it's a really cool little fishing pole. Um, one more thing, uh, I love collecting helmets, and I picked up all of the clone helmets that have come out. And the latest, uh, the Boba Fett helmet that just came out, I just wanted to give a review on that. It's fantastic. If you have any of the other helmets, um, you'll want to pick this one up, too. Just It's it's visually, it's it's really cool. They put a lot of a lot more detail into this one, um, and it's it's a lot of fun, you know, to pretend you're the uh, famous bounty hunter. So, um, just wanted to pass this review and and uh, things along to you guys and tell you how much I appreciate the uh, podcast and please keep it up. I really look forward to hearing it all the time, and uh, we'll talk to you later. How come we can't find any of these prices at our Walmarts? We've got $30 dobacks. They've been $30 for eight months. Yeah, and I've been checking that clearance aisle faithfully, and there's no Star Wars there. No, there's not. I go down it every time I go to Walmart. I've actually gone to a couple different Walmarts, so... But that's not to tell you guys who's listening not to check. We're getting these reports in. Hit your Walmart. Save some money. Thanks for the review of the Boba Fett helmet, too. We do have one of those here that we're going to be reviewing in an upcoming show because it just looks so darn cool. And there was something that Hasbro said at Celebration that I want to make sure all of our listeners know about. They built the speakers in that helmet to sound good when you have the helmet on. And they realized that people are saying that the helmets are broken because they're playing the sounds in the stores. And unlike the Vader helmet or the Iron Man helmet, the sounds aren't as dynamic because they're muffled because they're aimed inside the helmet so when you play with it in the store it's not going to sound as good because it's intended to be listened to on your head and i actually witnessed this when i was at target the other day some people were messing with it and they're like well this one must be broken and i couldn't help them i couldn't decide is it too weird for me to say something or not and so while i was hemming and hawing they walked away oh hey arnie and marjorie it's eric echo three on the boards hey i just wanted to tell you that This weekend, I was pleasantly surprised when I walked into our mall, and there is now a Toys R Us in our mall. It's like a mini store. Um, They don't, the guy told me they would not have a lot of the big uh, exclusives uh, size-wise because they just don't have the space. Um, But one score I did pick up was that they had uh, the newest waves of the Galactic Heroes for $3.50 a pack. Um, They also had the... um, Commander Rex uh, helmet on on sale for nineteen ninety five, so really good stuff there. I uh, just wanted to tell you and enjoy the show and keep up the good work. I guess that voicemail was from the loading dock at the mall. <laughs> Sounded like a truck was about to back over him. That's actually a really great price. I've never seen a Toys R Us in a mall. No, I haven't either. And speaking of Toys R Us and big exclusives, the vintage ad ad has been spotted more times. I've gotten some emails and some text messages, but I have not yet found it. Yeah, we'll get it eventually. Our Toys R Us is always way behind. I'm not worried about $100 exclusives. (laughs) I'm not. I mean, they're going to show up. They're not going to move out the door that fast because the collectors will buy them. I think that scalpers are mostly afraid of that price point they like the cheap in and outs i think that you are making a, a big deal about scalpers when it's really i don't think it's that big of a problem perhaps not but i'm not worried we haven't seen the rise of boba fett pack at our toys r us either but no. i'm not worried it'll get here it will i know 
Now, also, some listeners posted on the Star Wars Action News Facebook page wanting to know our thoughts of the new book, Star Wars Year by Year. And this is a book that I'd actually been intending to review on this week's show anyway. I've heard a lot of chatter about it on the forums and on Facebook. And, you know, when I first heard they were releasing the book Star Wars Year by Year, I had to stifle a groan. I was not excited by this book. And if you want to know why, if you're a longtime listener of Star Wars Action News, then you know that when Titan Publishing took over the Star Wars Insider, I was less than impressed with their Star Wars coverage. I felt that the articles in the Insider lacked depth, and they seemed more aimed at a casual Star Wars fan or even a child than at me and listeners of our show. The magazine lacked any real information that I couldn't get somewhere else on the internet. One of the features I really loathed in the Star Wars Insider were these fictitious battles they would set up, like the Force Unleashed Starkiller versus Luke Skywalker, or Yoda versus Darth Vader, or Darth Maul versus Darth Tyran, as you get the point. And they'd make up statistics for each character's fighting ability, and then you'd have to turn to another page to see who'd win this made-up fight. And it didn't even have the logic of a game matchup. The statistics would sometimes be completely ignored in favor of character tactics that weren't listed on the page. Every time I saw one of these matchups, I just rolled my eyes. But somebody must have loved, and I mean loved, that feature. Because there's a book, Star Wars Head to Head, that took that feature to an extreme. It's an entire book full of those matchups. Now, no disrespect is intended to that author, Pablo Hidalgo, who's written many Star Wars books I love, and whose knowledge of Star Wars is second, perhaps only to Leland Shi. But I can't comprehend why Star Wars Head to Head would be published. I just don't get it. That it was published by Scholastic Books means that it was intended for purchase by young kids, and that tells me they must be the audience, and maybe my age is why I don't get why it would have an audience. But the bitter taste of Star Wars head-to-head was very clear in my mind when I heard about another new Star Wars book coming up, Star Wars Year by Year. And I just kind of groaned to myself, another Star Wars Insider feature being published in book form. I mean, in many issues of Titan Star Wars Insider, there was a two-page spread devoted to looking back to Star Wars history, be it 1991 and the publishing of Zahn's Heir to the Empire, or 1985 and Droids and Ewoks coming to Saturday morning television, and this feature epitomized what frustrated me about Titan's handling of the Insider. As anyone who's heard me on the Star Wars Action News Book Club podcast knows, I'm fascinated with Star Wars' real-life history and publication and in television, as evidenced by Republic Forces Radio Network's recent reviewing of the entire Droids series. I felt entire issues of the Star Wars Insider could have been dedicated to reporting on Star Wars happenings in 1982. They could cull from old Bantha Tracks issues and have new discussions with the people involved back then, but instead we got these little blurbs, time castles from the past, that were just enough to trigger nostalgia, but never deep enough to truly offer any insight into the history of Star Wars. It mostly said what we all knew, but just hadn't thought of in a while. So I felt that the book Star Wars Year by Year would be the same way, a very short recounting of Star Wars' history, grabbing at all the low-hanging fruit, but not really offering any true Star Wars fans anything they didn't know before. Perfectly honest, I expected this book to be a magazine-sized soft cover, and I betted it would be about 64 pages long given the two-page spread of every year from 1977 through 2009. And I really thought maybe some of the copy would even be recycled from the Insider. But, oh my god, was I ever wrong by dismissing this book as I did, and that's what I get for judging a book by its cover. It wasn't until San Diego Comic-Con that I gave this book another thought. I attended the publishing panel mostly to hear Gus Lopez discuss his upcoming book on Star Wars action figure prototypes, and authors Ryder Windham, Daniel Wallace, and Pablo Hidalgo were all presenting information about Star Wars year by year. Wyndham caught my attention when he revealed something that Nathan P. Butler and I had discussed in the past, that the cover dates on Marvel's old Star Wars comics were not the date they were actually released, but rather the date when the comic store should pull the books from its shelves. The actual publication dates of the comics had been seemingly lost to time until Wyndham decided that for Star Wars year by year, he should be looking at what was actually released in a certain year and unearthed that information. And I 
I was stunned and impressed by Wyndham's attention to detail and also intrigued that the book would be going in depth on Marvel Star Wars comics. Truly at that moment I was hooked and my pre-order for Star Wars year by year went in as soon as I returned from San Diego. But due to Borders absolutely abysmal pre-order system, I just got my copy of Star Wars year by year last week, but I've been absolutely glued to it ever since. Not necessarily reading. Unlike say the making of Star Wars or some of these other hardcover Star Wars nonfiction books, this isn't a book filled with prose detailing what happened in each year of Star Wars' history. This is a coffee table book, and it has the benefit of being able to randomly open to any given page and immediately start reading about things that happened in a certain year related to Star Wars. And notice I say a year related to Star Wars. I was really shocked to find that the book doesn't start in 1977 like I kind of expected, not even 1976 when the novelization of Star Wars was first published. Chronologically, the first item in this book is dated May 14th, 1944. For the trivia buffs out there, I'll give you a minute to think, what happened to Star Wars on May 14th, 1944? Give up? It was when George Walton Lucas Jr. was born. Fortunately, the book does not include events for every year of George Lucas's life, though I can kind of see it now. August 28th, 1946. George Lucas is potty trained. He calls it R2 Poo Poo. Arnie, now come on. No, the book actually speeds through 1914 to 1959, including only key events from Lucas's life, such as his first trip to Disneyland in 1955 and his moving to Modesto in 1957. Why do we need to know this? Because those are facts that are in Lucas's life that influenced Lucas. The book offers blurbs from the 1939 release of the Flash Gordon 12-part serial, which, of course, was a major influence on Star Wars as well. The book starts to slow its pace when it hits the 1960s when Lucas was a teen and young adult, but it's still just a real cursory look at the 60s and early 70s. The book finally reaches its cruising speed at 1973 when the year-by-year portion of the book's title comes through. From 1973 through 2010, yes, this year, the book devotes a minimum of four and a maximum of ten pages related to Star Wars items released from that year. 1973 starts out with George Lucas's handwritten first page of the Journal of the Wills. 74 talks about the completed rough draft of Star Wars, and 75 is a gorgeous spread that shows Ralph McQuarrie's impressive concept art, and it goes on from there. The book is primarily picture-related. There are no items covered by the book that I saw that didn't have some kind of picture or other visual aid to tell the story. With each picture is a blurb or a paragraph providing details about the item photographed, giving readers a visual aid. And it goes almost without saying, but I'll say it anyway, this book features rare behind-the-scenes photographs of the making of Star Wars movies. <laughs> oh my god, they never have any books with those. <laughs> as well as impressive shots of some of the props and collectibles through the years. As a lover of Star Wars, I had fun for hours with this book, randomly turning to a page in the book, seeing what year it was, and finding something that interested me personally in that I was really into this item then or really into the item now. For example, I'm just going to randomly turn to some pages here. 2006. And one of the things in the big corner is talking about the LucasArts game Empire at War, which I played just tons of on my computer. A great game. They don't have, again, much detail here, but just saying it was released. And sadly, they also have that on February 9th, 2006, Phil Brown died. And he was a guy who I had the pleasure of meeting at Celebration too. Flipping back a ways, July to December of 1992, they have here something that I've actually gone back and picked up. The Letterbox Trilogy on VHS with a 48-page special edition of the book George Lucas, The Creative Impulse. So the Star Wars Trilogy on VHS. Back further still to June of 1980, I see Marvel Comics Empire Strikes Back comic adaptation, including the digest-sized comic that a friend of mine, Steve, who I actually used to work for 15 years ago, picked up for me at a garage sale and gave to me. I have that exact book. So every page I turn to, I find something on here that I am interested in. And as you can see, a lot is covered in this book. And as Star Wars Action News is primarily a collecting podcast, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this book's focus on Star Wars collectibles. The authors brought in... Gus Lopez, who I can't think of any better expert than Gus Lopez, except perhaps Steve Sansweet, to discuss some of the Star Wars collectibles from over the years, from the vintage Yoda ear baseball cap, 
to the Icons replica lightsabers of the 90s, to Master Replica sabers in the 2000s, to, of course, dangling it out there for me to want, the Glasslight Vlix. <laughs> I think there's no book that doesn't mention Vlix. But beyond the obvious of Vlix, there are just an absolute ton of collectibles covered in this book. And for those of you who, like me, expand their collecting the comic books, novels, and other books, the Marvel and Dark Horse comics get their moment in the spotlight, as do some of the novels like some lesser loved ones like Barbara Hambly's Children of the Jedi. I was surprised to see it get a featured image there. Now, this book, it's not a definitive resource for, well, anything. But it doesn't try to be. Not all of the novels are covered, nor all the books, and of course, not all the toys. Each of those topics could be, and in many cases have been, entire books on their own. Rather, Star Wars Year by Year is an expansive trip down Star Wars memory lane. You open to a page and go, oh, remember Russ Manning's Star Wars Daily Comic Strips? And then you go to a different page, and I remember playing Mysteries of the Sith Expansion Pack for Jedi Knight, and perhaps a few. I never knew George Lucas used Yoda to hawk VHS machines in Japan in 1988. My only gripe, and it's a minor one, is the amount of non-Star Wars material this book contains. Sure, I think the authors consider it all to be Star Wars related, but some of the relations to Star Wars are so tangential as to be tenuous. For example, in the 60s section, there's a blurb on Alec Guinness's work in Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, Guinness was an important part of the Star Wars legacy and Lawrence of Arabia is a classic film, but did I really need a mention of it in a Star Wars book? On the same page, it talks about how Dr. No premiered in London. And I'm like, what does that have to do with Star Wars? And in Ryder Wyndham's forward, he writes, Dr. No made a star of Sean Connery in 1962. In 1965, Sean Connery was the model for the Scott Tracy puppet in the TV show Thunderbirds. And in 2008, Lucas cited the Thunderbirds as part of his inspiration for the stylized characters of the Clone Wars cartoon. Oh, dear God. It's like the Kevin Bacon game, but with Star Wars. Yeah. But sometimes I think when we get to the third or fourth degree of separation from Star Wars, we're a little too far away from our source. On that same page in the 60s, I don't mean to pick on the 60s, it's got the Fantastic Four comic book that started Marvel Comics. It's time. Well, it had a villain who wears a mask after becoming disfigured because he tempts the dark arts. Okay, I really don't think that Doctor Doom was Lucas's inspiration for Darth Vader, but we'll go with that. And I've been mentioning the stuff in the 60s, but this isn't a problem just confined to the sections where the authors may have needed filler, because I could see in the 60s and maybe the late 80s, they would really be grasping at straws for some material. But in 1983, the year that Return of the Jedi was released, they include a blurb about the Francis Ford Coppola film, The Outsiders. I know, Coppola and Lucas are friends. They go make wine together. But The Outsiders? Really? I really tried hard to find a Star Wars link in there because that was a great movie if you've never seen it. And I think everyone read the book in grade school except for you, Arnie. No, I did not. I Yeah. Reading Z. You don't know anything about Pony Boy and Soda Pop, which is disappointing to me. But Pony I, Boy sounds like gay porn and Soda Pop I drank. Okay. I cannot find a link at all to Star Wars. I don't think anyone even in that movie was in Star Wars no. or even in a movie with anyone else that was in Star Wars. Well, I'm sure that they were. I mean, Leah Thompson was in The Outsiders and she was in Howard the Duck. Maybe that's the link. <laughs> it's it's yeah. And Patrick Swayze was in it. So maybe there's a Swayze connection somewhere. Swayze was in Point Break with Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves was in The Matrix with Larry Fishburne. Larry Fishburne was in School Days with Spike Lee. Spike Lee was in D Jungle Fever with Samuel L. Jackson, who was in Star Wars as Mace Windu. That's what All I got. All right, you did it. In 2001, they talk about the console wars of the Xbox One versus the PlayStation versus the Nintendo GameCube. Yes, Star Wars had exclusive titles on all of those platforms, but this blurb doesn't discuss those really. It just talks about that the GameCube was discontinued in 2007 and the Xbox in 2005. Why did I need that? In 1998, it discusses how Pixar had their second release with A Bug's Life. It's not even focusing on their first release. They go on to the second release. Now, I know Pixar was started by Lucas before he sold it, but he sold it well before A Bug's Life. 
And again, this material is too far removed from the source for my taste. I, I understand that these items provide a historical context for the events of that year. When we did our 30 years of Star Wars collecting, I mentioned the TV shows, movies, and music from each year of the 30 years of Star Wars to provide the historical context. But the sheer randomness of these mentions and the fact that they're not really providing any real world history but pop culture history, it just seems indulgent to have included a lot of them. I just didn't really have the patience to sit there and read these blurbs that had no tie back to Star Wars. It's like a puzzle game. It is. I had to sit there and think about each one like, okay, wait, what am I missing? And then I felt really stupid after a while. It's like, I'm not getting it. Somebody's going to write in and like bang me over the head with the obvious outsider's connection I'm missing, I'm sure. But but no. why wasn't it mentioned, though? Yeah. Here's the thing. I do not study Star Wars like I studied any subject I did in school. I just happen to know a lot about Star Wars. However, I don't want to have to study it. But that said, it's a minor quibble. These non-Star Wars head-scratching items are maybe 5% of the book and probably far less than 5% yeah. of the book. Overall, it's Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars with gorgeous reproductions of photographs, art, and little blurbs about all these items that make up Star Wars rich history. I wish that sometimes they'd have more depth about certain items, but that's not what this book is. But I think this is a book every Star Wars fan should own and display proudly as part of their collection or maybe even put on your coffee table. Or if you're like me, buy a second copy to put on the coffee table just in case you spill your coffee on it. That way you still have your original coffee free. But it's a book I've greatly enjoyed getting lost in, and I want to give my kudos to all of the people involved in the creation of this book, and I'm sorry for having initially doubted you. Mm -hmm. That said, I really hope for all you authors' sake that LEGO Star Wars 3 and the making of The Empire Strikes Back meet their 2010 release dates. The authors were very daring, and they list things scheduled to happen in 2010 as having happened in 2010. If LEGO Star Wars 3 misses its ship date as video games are wont to do. I'm looking at you, Force Unleashed 1. Oh, that one was Yeah, great. the Force Unreleased. Yeah. So if LEGO Star Wars 3 doesn't hit its gold date, there may have to be some fixes when this book goes to its second edition. But yeah, Star Wars year by year, there was a big display of them at our Barnes & Noble, but right now there's a great price on it on Amazon, and we have a link to it from our homepage, and please use the link from our homepage when shopping at Amazon to support our show. Please do. And now continuing our look at Star Wars book collecting, here's Nathan P. Butler. It's been a while since we've heard from him, but he is continuing his series of EU collecting segments. So take it away, Nathan. Hello, Star Wars Action News listeners. This is Nathan P. Butler from StarWarsFanWorks.com and the Star Wars Timeline Gold, bringing you Expanding the Universe, your EU special report. This time, we continue our collecting series once again, last seen with our RPG coverage. We're back this time with another acronym-heavy topic, that is the Star Wars card games. Now, by that, we're talking CCGs, or TCGs, collectible trading card games that are built around strategy. Unfortunately, many collectors will tell you that Star Wars' heyday with trading card games has come and gone, but that means that collectors now are having a lot of fun hunting down those old rare cards that they may not have been able to find as easily or as cheaply the first time around. So let's start with an overview. When we think about Star Wars trading card games, or customizable card games, we tend to think of two companies, Decipher and Wizards of the Coast. Very much like what happened with the RPG, where West End Games had the license for a long time, then it transferred to Wizards of the Coast, the same thing happened with the trading card, or collectible, card games. The phenomenon began back in 1995, in the lead-up to the Special Editions. That's when Decipher Inc got the rights to the Star Wars Customizable Card Game, or CCG. It's probably still the most beloved Star Wars card game, though unfortunately as it grew and grew and grew it became so complex that many new fans had trouble getting into it. Counting all the small subsets, large expansion sets, and the original sets, the original Star Wars CCG from Decipher had about 30 different lines of cards by the time they lost the license in 2001. This, however, was the card game that most people recognize as THE Star Wars card game. Why? Because the cards had what was referred to as lore on them. 
and that lore was in-universe, in-continuity information, such as descriptions of characters who had never had descriptions before. They grabbed images out of the films, and in some cases by creating ones that looked like they could have been in the films, to highlight characters we'd not seen names or backgrounds for, especially ones, say, in the cantina, in the background of Cloud City, and so forth. It was a fun game, and all you needed was the cards, no dice involved. But it's much, much better known to Star Wars collectors for the lore on the cards that added to the continuity than it is for even its great gameplay. If you meet a Star Wars card game collector today, that's probably the series they're going to be collecting. It wasn't the only one put out by Decipher, though. The others were not nearly as well received. 1999 saw the launch of a much more simplistic version of a similar style of gaming with their series Young Jedi, or the Young Jedi CCG. The game was meant to be less complex than the Star Wars CCG, but more complex than Pokemon, and it did manage eight different releases before all was said and done, all of which were based around the Phantom Menace, which may have led to part of its downfall. Unfortunately, fans were more interested in seeing new types of cards, including from the Phantom Menace, in the original CCG than they were in Young Jedi, and the series pretty much floundered and eventually ended its print run in 2001, again when Decipher lost the license. As obscure as Young Jedi was, one might think that was it, but as Yoda would say, No, there is another. That one was Jedi Knights, which premiered in 2001, right before Decipher lost the Star Wars license. This series, you could say, was doomed from the start. The Jedi Knights trading card game, or TCG, was the third card game based on Star Wars that Decipher put out simultaneously. It was very quickly able to put out three different series, Premiere, Scum and Villainy, and Masters of the Force, but it never really had a chance to catch on. The cards did contain in-universe lore, which does make them more sought after by EU collectors today than Young Jedi was, which didn't have any lore. But what really made Jedi Knights unique was the fact that all of its artwork was essentially CG art. It didn't use any screen captures from the films, although sometimes it used those as the basis of creating CG artwork. The art style, at least, could have become very popular. It certainly had potential, but the series died when Decipher's Star Wars license did. As seems to always be the case, one company's loss was another's gain. In mid-2002, Wizards of the Coast, who had already obtained the license for the Star Wars role-playing game, picked up the license for the Star Wars card games, and produced the Star Wars TCG, or Trading Card Game, not to be confused with the CCG from Decipher. Thanks to good timing, producing sets from 2002 through 2005, the Star Wars TCG from Wizards of the Coast turned out to be the one series to make a decent name for itself by managing to include cards that dealt with every single one of the six Star Wars live-action theatrical films. Unfortunately, the game itself was hampered by the success of the Star Wars CCG and the fact that so many players had so much money invested in cards for the previous series and wanted to see that continue, even if it was through players making new cards for themselves online. The TCG also, generally speaking, didn't include lore. So while it was a fun game to play, though it did require dice and played with similar mechanics somewhat to the RPG, it didn't have that new in-universe material that had caused so many non-gamers to leap at the Star Wars CCG back when Decipher started putting it out. As a game, it grew, but usually only within gaming circles. That series was eventually put on hold in 2005, so that Wizards of the Coast could focus on their Star Wars miniatures game, which played with some of the same mechanics. The remaining two Star Wars card games are odd ones. The first came from a company called WizKids, not to be confused with Wizards of the Coast. WizKids were part of the Topps Company, best known for numerous sports trading cards. This was the so-called Pocket Models TCG. This not only used regular cards and dice, but also special cards that essentially unfolded and were pieced together to become small models, much like the miniatures game, only in this case made out of cards. Unfortunately, while this was somewhat of a unique concept for Star Wars card games, the series had a hard time catching on, because part of what made card games so fun was to be able to take them anywhere in just small little decks. You really couldn't do that with the pocket models without running the risk of damaging the models themselves. They managed six separate sets, much of which was based around the Clone Wars cartoon, but the series was cut short in 2008, when Topps effectively killed WizKids. 
Yes, Wiz Kids licenses were later picked up by the NECA, the National Entertainment Collectors Association, but the rights to produce a Star Wars game did not transfer over to NECA. Therefore, the pocket model game was somewhat dead before it ever had a chance to really catch on. And lastly, if you think the pocket models are a weird concept, imagine a trading card game that doesn't actually use trading cards. At all. Nothing to hold in your hands. That's the concept behind the Star Wars Galaxies trading card game. It's an online trading card game available to people who are subscribers, both former and current, to the Star Wars Galaxies online MMORPG. Or as I call it, the Star Wars MMORPG. The fact that this is a computer-based game makes it possible to game with people all over the world. You have a visual representation of what you're playing, and it's easy to get your hands on more cards, albeit not in the literal sense. So far, the Star Wars Galaxy's trading card game has released six separate series, starting with Champions of the Force and the newly released, as of this recording, Night Sisters Revenge. Now, there have been major criticisms about the Galaxy's trading card game. It doesn't have the type of interactive experience that you might expect from something along the lines of Eye of Judgment on the PlayStation 3, where the cards, in a sense, come to life for you. It also lacks the physical collecting of actual cards that you can hold in your hands. But it is, at the moment, the only surviving spiritual successor to all the Star Wars card games that came before it. For better or worse. You'll find in the collecting community plenty of people collecting each of these different types of Star Wars games. The vast majority of EU collectors, though, which is the focus of this segment, are out there looking for the original CCG. And every now and then, they're looking for Jedi Knights. When it comes to gamers, gamers simply collect whichever game they find most appealing. And that almost always depends on what game they first started playing. As for availability, you'll tend to find that the games that were more widely available back when they were first released are the games that are also most widely available now on places like eBay and different card-collecting websites. For example, the TCG from Wizards of the Coast and the CCG from Decipher, both simply called Star Wars, are the easiest to find because they were the most widely distributed, the most long-lasting, and the most prevalent at the time when they were being produced. From a single card standpoint, if you're missing just one or two cards, you'll find your best bet is if you're a CCG collector from the original Decipher game. That's been around long enough, was sought after long enough back then, and had enough value associated with the cards at the time that a lot of single cards are made available. You'll find them for the other series as well, but the CCG is certainly the most prevalent out there, probably as it should be. Though I will say, by means of full disclosure, that I myself have a bit of a leaning toward the original Star Wars Decipher CCG. It was the first one that I played. I'm an EU guy, so I loved the lore on the cards and all the different characters it introduced us to. And, relatively recently, I was hired to write a novella for a sci-fi series called Wars. Now, you may not have heard of Wars before, but it was the new sci-fi property that was developed as a CCG by Decipher immediately after they lost the Star Wars license. They had the story developing prior to that, but once the Star Wars license was gone and people were clamoring for more games with those game mechanics, Wars was the one that filled that slot. And I've been very quickly getting into that game to prepare myself for novella writing. And if I may put out an impassioned plea, if you were a collector of the original Wars trading card game, get in touch with me at Nathan at StarWarsFanWorks.com. I'm trying to complete a collection, and I'm very close. Help me, Swan audience. You're my only hope. But enough about my collecting and EU collecting. Back to Arnie and Marjorie. Thank you, Nathan. And we'll have Nathan back on in just a couple of weeks with all the cons and everything. We just haven't been able to work it in. But if you're missing your dose of Nathan P. Butler, be sure to check out Republic Forces Radio Network. The Clone Wars premieres this Friday. And so we've been double timing our droids releases going through the last of the droid series. And Nathan is helping us review each episode. And then Nathan's continuity corner is at the end of each episode where he talks about that episode place in the overall Star Wars continuity. 
It must be maddening to try to wrap your head around all this continuity, inconsistency, and everything you've known for the last 33 years is being pee-peed on. Well, that's why I am fortunate to be subject to Nathan's expert tutelage. And he teaches me a lot, too. All right. And that's our show for the week. We'll see you next week. When we will be reviewing Boba Fett's helmet. Talk to you then. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcast, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that show at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News Book Club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at swactionnews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at swactionnews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at swactionnews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. You can help support Star Wars Action News by using the affiliate links on our homepage when shopping online. We would also appreciate it if you spread the word about Star Wars Action News by posting about us on Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, or just tell a friend about the show. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can also cast a vote for us each month at Podcast Alley. Links to both can be found on our homepage at SWActionNews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please visit yakface.com, hanshideout.blogspot.com, and jedi-temple-archives.com, and we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is web programmers Jason and Joe, associate produced by Brock, reporters Jerry and Steve, graphic design by Chris, and podcast enhancement by Berent. Star Wars Action News is copyright 2010, all rights reserved. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all the Star Wars universe contains is trademarked and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, all rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the Force be with you. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. Star Wars Action News is a production of Venganza Media Incorporated. Be careful, sharp blade cut baby. You know that your chances of someone getting injured with a sharp object increase when you tell them to watch out because you break their concentration? As anyone who's heard me on the Star Wars Action Book Club news... Not all the novel. 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 When we will be reviewing Darth Boba Fett's helmet. <laughs>